You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Campus Beat here at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, coming at you from the basement of Carruthers Hall here on Queen's campus. And it's a very special day today. I have Queen's undergraduate student, Gage Benyon, in studio with me today. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me, Dinah. So uh, Gage is uh, working with Queen's Telefundraising Services and uh, under the office or the auspices <laughs> of annual giving at Queen's University. That's that's correct, right? Yes, that's correct. All right. So before we talk about Queen's Telefundraising Services, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you came to Queen's, why you love Queen's, why you're awesome, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm currently a third year history major here at the university. Um, I work as a supervisor with Queen's Telefundraising Services. Um, which is under the Office of Advancement. I'm also the Vice President of Giving for the Queen's Student Alumni Association. So I'm really trying to be involved as much as I can in the annual giving department um, and in that field as much as, as possible. So um, I actually came to Queen's a lot. I was inspired by my stepfather, who mm-hmm. was actually a Queen's 1984 alum. Um, so he told me all about the great things at Queen's and about his amazing experiences. And I really wanted to be a part of that. And I've heard how amazing Queen's is and I thought, what better place to come? It's close to home. And I just really, really love the place. You know, it's never a dull moment here on campus. You've got so many volunteer opportunities, clubs. Um, I get to be here and be interviewed on CFRC, all sorts of events DC every day. Um, and I think Queen's is really, really great as well as helping its students, all the mental health resources we have on campus. I think it really uh, made Queen's stand out to me, and I think I'm really proud to be here. And we're certainly happy to have you here at CFRC, <laughs> let alone Queen's University. Now, you mentioned you're in the history department, and as a fellow historian myself, I'd love to hear uh, some about some of the classes that you're taking part in this year. Uh, well, this year I'm taking um, part in a few classes. I'm with uh, Barrington Walker, um, History 258, um, The History of Slavery. Really, he's a great prof, really, really passionate about what he teaches. Um, it's a really enjoyable course. Um, I'm also taking a Reformation course with Richard Bailey. It's a great seminar. Get to hear a lot of different opinions and viewpoints on all the topics we read about. Um, learn a lot about that uh, field. I'm also in a seminar on uh, Byzantine history, which is Karim Cartel, my uh, prof, and he's really, really great. Also, he's very um, educated and passionate about what he does, so I really, really love his course. Uh, I'm also in a classics course. Um, under Anne Foley, uh, Roman history, and I've really, really enjoyed that, learned a whole bunch from that as well. Yeah, so I think all the profs I've had this year, they're really, really passionate about what they're doing, and it really adds to the educational experience. Fantastic. Now, um, so we just, so the, I'll edit this part, I've lost my spot. So now you uh, also work for annual giving, and in particular, Queen's Telefundraising Services. Um, what do these respective offices actually do, and for what purposes, and who's benefiting? Uh, well, the uh, annual giving department is part of the Alumni Relations Department. Um, so basically what our department does is we work... Um, to support the Queen's Fund, which is an annual campaign um, we do every year. And it reaches out to all of our alumni, uh, benefactors, faculty, um, students, staff, and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, now, gifts to the Queen's Fund are directed to the areas of highest need. Um, so that can change from time to time. Um, a lot of it goes to mental health resources, any new buildings we're doing on campus. Um, so it's a really great fund. 
Um, we provide funding for student assistance, uh, library acquisitions, bursaries, um, technology upgrades, research projects, and a whole bunch more. So it really does benefit the whole university. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, annual gifts are received mostly from alumni. Um, so that's part of my job at Queen Stella Fundraising Services, which I'll get into a bit later. Um, but we also get gifts from faculty, uh, staff, Queen's retirees, parents, uh, student cooperations, foundations, and friends of the university. Um, one great example, um, my class for my Reformation course I mentioned earlier, we actually put together a GoFundMe for our professor and we made a gift of about $270 to the history department in his honor. Um, so it really shows that students can also be a part of that. Um, so giving is really um, diverse and there's a great lot of ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now the department's actually working on faculty-specific fundraising, um, highlighting student and alumni stories from various departments. Mm-hmm. Um, so the focus is on internationalization, which is a part one of the four pillars of Principal Wolf's um, plan for fundraising this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're responsible for direct response appeals, um, commemorative giving, uh, leadership annual giving, which is between a thousand to two thousand twenty four thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars annually. Mm-hmm. Um, special interest group, and they also manage the student calling team at Queen's Telephone Raising Services, where I am a supervisor. Um, so our team has been around for about um, twenty years, um, give or take a few. Um, We have about 45 really, really enthusiastic callers who work really hard um, Sunday to Thursday um, to call our alum and they really build a connection, build a rapport, let them know about what's going on on campus, um, share personal stories, um, and let them know about how they can um, invest in the university. Um, So the regular program follows the school calendar, so it runs from September to April. Mm -hmm. Um, And QTS hiring happens in early September, so if any students are looking for jobs, look out in September for uh, hiring. Um, so we take students from all academic years, including grad students as well. Um, we've also had the pleasure of hiring many year-long exchange students, um, mm-hmm. so it's really neat to have their perspective as well. Um, I've also got some stats from the 2016-2017 year, just to give you guys a scope of what we do. Yeah, I'd love to hear them. Yeah. Um, so in the 2016-2017 year, the student callers received um, over 1,200 gifts um, from alumni supporting the Queen's Fund and various other funds in the university. Um, so we raised over a quarter of a million dollars. Whoa, 1,200 pre- gifts totaling over a quarter million dollars. Yes. Wow. I know, it's amazing. Some alum, you know, um, some give $5, some give a few thousand, but every gift, um, it really goes a long way. It doesn't matter how much the gift is, it makes all the difference in the world. It really does. Wow. Oh, yeah. And we actually made 331,429 phone calls to alumni and parents last year as well. So that's impressive. On an average night, we make between 2,500 to 4,000 calls as well, depending on um, what kind of people we're calling and how many uh, students we have in at a time. And as for who benefits, like at Queen's Telephone Raising Service, everybody benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, the students get a job, supervisors get a job, you get to come in after a long day of school, um, another job if you have one, and you get to talk to your friends, you get to talk to alum on the phone and hear amazing stories. And then alum get the opportunity to hear a young perspective or hear about what's happening at Queen's and then get the chance to invest as well. With that in mind, so now that you're a supervisor, you're probably doing less day-to-day calling, but from your days on the telephone yourself talking to alumni, can you think of one of your favorite stories you heard from an alum? I get a lot of stories. um, Surprisingly, you hear a lot of people um, who met their spouses um, at the university. Um, I remember I spoke to one man um, and he was telling me a story about how he met his wife in one of his classes. He couldn't find a seat in his class, and he asked to sit beside this girl, and then ended up becoming study partners, and they both went into the same program, um, and they ended up getting married in the future. So it's stories like those. Like, sometimes you get a lot of voicemails. Sometimes you get people who don't want to give, but sometimes you hear incredible stories like this mm-hmm. that just make your day and are really memorable. 
Wow. So it sounds like um, a lot of people are giving lots of uh, lots of money. And so why is giving so important to them? And if folks, uh, like if some people are donating $5 and others are donating a lot more, if folks have limited financial means, what other ways can people give or do people give? Yeah, like, you know, giving, um, I think, is one of the most important things here at the university. Giving is what allows students to have access to the amazing mental health resources that we have, um, to all the different clubs um, and events that we get to run, summer programs that we get to run as well. Pays for buildings like the new Cote Sharp Wellness Center that we're mm-hmm. building on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, that is all thanks to an amazing gift that we got from a really generous donor. Um, so just things like that. Now it's going to change the future for a lot of students, going to give them better access to a lot of resources on campus. Mm-hmm. I know every gift on campus goes a long way. Even $5 can make a difference because that $5, that could buy a meal for a student on campus. Um, there's so many funds you can give that to. There are funds that are for students who are in financial need mm-hmm. um, and emergencies, and that $5 can really make a difference in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And also, if everybody was to give $5, if you think about it, Queens has tens of thousands of students and alum all over the world. If everybody gave $5, $5 doesn't seem like a lot, but if everybody gave $5, we could do incredible things with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really is amazing. Um, one of the other options we offer to Um, alum and other donors is the option to do a monthly gift. So that option, um, say if we call you or if you just go online or decide to make a gift, um, instead of giving um, just one-time gift, you can say, okay, I'll give $5 a month for the next five years. And sure, you might not think $5 sounds like a lot, but over five years, that adds up to $300, which Mm -hmm. can be incredible. Buy new books, um, um, go towards a new bursary. Mm -hmm. Um, So it all really does um, add up. People who um, can't um, afford to give financially, there are so many ways we see alum like give back all the time. Um, volunteering, I'm at homecoming, we see um, them volunteer all the time, whether they be their like class president type thing and they arrange for their class to come. Um, I was just volunteering at Grad Bash a week or two ago mm-hmm. and we had alum who were volunteering at the Toronto branch that were there um, to help welcome students to the Toronto branch. So it's really extraordinary seeing these people um, all the things they do to give back to the university. So it really is amazing. Now, so what roles specifically have you played in telefundraising services? And what do you find uh, most exciting about your role in particular, or maybe even what you find most challenging? Uh, yeah, well, for my first uh, two years, I started at QTS in my first year. Um, so I was a caller for two years. And then last summer, I actually worked for the department as well. Um, along with two other students. And this year I'm um, one of four enthusiastic and passionate supervisors who uh, work for the team. So I personally manage um, the communications and scheduling portfolios. So um, what that entails is I send out weekly emails to our college to let them know what's going on, whether we have any events that we're running, um, any new updates that we want to let them know about. Um, I also handle all our social media. You can follow us on Instagram at mm. Queen's Telefundraising or follow our Queen's Telefundraising Services Facebook page. Great plug. Um, <laughs> exactly. Come on. Um, a lot of great content. You get to see all the cool stuff we're doing. So I definitely recommend um, checking that out. I also manage the weekly schedules. Um, so I send our schedules out, make sure um, everybody's accommodated for. We do want to make sure we understand school comes first, things happen. So somebody needs to be there to make sure we can make everybody's lives as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite parts of the job is the room for innovation that we're given. Um, So, for example, as a supervisor, 
um, if you see something you think could be made better or something you want to implement. Um, our boss, Morgan Clark, who's the program coordinator, she's been um, absolutely extraordinary. She just started in January after our old boss, Cliff Savage, left. Um, and she stepped into the role and she's done an amazing job so far, um, really motivating the team and really giving us the chance to um, explore different areas. Um, so for example, one of the projects I'm here today getting to talk about um, our amazing program. I also, we've never actually had like an official logo at QTS, which mm -hmm. is something I realized. So um, I ran a logo contest um, for our callers. So um, I just gave them a few weeks to come up with a design for a logo and then we picked the best one. And one of our callers who's in fine arts, Charlotte Smith, she came out with an amazing logo that we have on our Instagram and Facebook page now. Um, so we're really grateful that she was able to do that. So I just really love the fact that if you have an idea, you have the freedom to try and implement that and work on that. But as for the challenges, obviously it is, um, you do eight, about 18, 13 to 18 hours a week. So mm -hmm. you have to find a way to manage that with school and everything. Mm -hmm. um, as long as you have good time management skills, it's not the worst. But I think for me, the biggest challenge is um, now that I'm a supervisor, I'm in more of an authoritative role. So, but it is um, tricky because there have been callers that I've worked with for um, a couple of years now and who I've become very close with. And all of a sudden I'm in this role where I'm their supervisor and um, I have to make sure like their performance is going well and that they're um, following the rules. So of course, when you see um, a call that you're friends with, if they um, are breaking a rule of shift, it can be kind of uncomfortable to have to go and say, hey, like, you know, um, like put your phone away or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, especially when we do, um, if we talk to them about their performance, um, if they're not performing well, um, that can be a bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, but I think after just um, the experience I've had, um, and the callers are all extraordinary, so you, you don't get to have to deal with that very often, but when it does happen, it can be a bit uncomfortable. But um, yeah, I think that's the biggest challenge of the job. Okay, but it sounds like that's a challenge that happens in many positions as Definitely, well. Definitely, so yes. Not, uh, not specifically unique to Queen's telephone racing. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but I definitely think uh, QTS is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. It's really, uh, I think it's changed my future in a lot of ways. Um, it's a definitely a career patch path I'm considering following now. Okay, well, let's pick up on this. Uh, why did you get involved in the first place, but then uh, following through with what you were just talking about, what skills uh, are you developing uh, that you hope to be able to apply for a future career? Um, well, yeah, it, the way I started, I was actually just walking down um, University of the Sidewalk cell first year, and one of the supervisors at the time was like handing out like the applications, and I took one, didn't think much of it. Um, and I just, I thought, why not apply, try a part-time job? And I applied and I got the job. Um, and at first, you know, it was just, you know, your typical student part-time job, you know, just some extra pocket money. Um, but it quickly evolved into like just a part of my life. It was um, after a long day of school or whatever stress was going on, I could come to work six to nine and I get to see my friends. Um, I get to know a lot of people really well, get to talk to alum, really de-stress, have some great conversations. So it was really the highlight of my day when I came to work and I got to have these amazing conversations and the great atmosphere. Um, so yeah, I really did appreciate everything QTS was able to offer to me. Um, it's also, as I said, it's like really influenced my future career path. Um, mm -hmm. I always wanted to be um, either a lawyer or pursue a master's in history. Mm -hmm. um, those are still both possible options. But um, after working at QTS and in the supervisor role and the summer role, I think I've really found one of my passions. I really, I see the impact that um, alumni donors make every day and I really want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to get um, a job in that department. Um, and it's taught me so, so many things. Uh, I've seen how um, a university administration runs in a lot of ways. Um, I've learned great skills for building a rapport for somebody and um, holding a good conversation, mm -hmm. um, active listening skills, all that. 
Um, and I really think in any career path that those are all valuable skills. And I think the fact that night after night I was able to use and hone those skills, mm-hmm. it's really going to change my future, I think. I think you're actually developing quite a lot of uh, multilateral communication stra- uh, skill sets here, too, not mm-hmm. only with uh, while you're communicating uh, with the people that you work with, uh, as well as the alumni that, uh, that you're working with as well, um, but also some leadership competencies uh, yes. Certainly, in a supervisory role, you you're doing a lot of coaching mm-hmm. and being able to communicate particular goals and expectations as well. Even when these things might be a little bit uncomfortable, yes, you're definitely. still finding yourself developing some skills and practicing uh, what is a managerial art. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely um, has prepared me for um, any future leadership roles I'm going to be. And so I really owe any, I think, future success, a lot of that to QTS, my queens in general. Well, good for you and congrats to them. (laughs) Uh, So now this is going back to something else you mentioned earlier, too. Uh, You uh, started out working... Was it 13, 16 hours a week, something like that? Between 13 and 18 as a supervisor, yes. Okay, so as an undergraduate student, and I think you mentioned you have four classes currently on the go? Four classes, yes. Okay, so wow. How do you manage such a busy academic and work schedule while still being able to maintain a reasonable social life with your pals? Um, Yeah, that's one of the um, bigger issues for me in life. Um, I actually have ADHD. Um, So it does make it a lot harder for me um, with my time management skills and getting everything done. Um, So um, I actually got for Christmas for the first time I got an agenda. And I found that actually helps so much because I find um, if I don't manage my time well, I end up coming down to the last week, which is kind of the situation I'm in right now where you've got a whole bunch of papers due Mm -hmm. um, and you have to make sure you get them all done. Um, so I find one of the best things to do is I really have to look at my time. Like if I have a whole day and I don't go to work until five o'clock, um, I have to really make the best of that time, but mm-hmm. I'm more of a night owl. I work better at night. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to socialize with somebody, I might take work, ask my friend to go out for lunch with me during the day. Um, so I have that social life and then I have my work and then I have night after nine o'clock to work on my papers and get some studying done. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I really have to work on, um, time management. Okay. Um, well, time management too, uh, not to uninspire you, but time <laughs> management is something that we continue to deal with all through our working lives. Oh, I'm definitely. sorry, you're yes. going to have to deal with that forever <laughs> until you retire, I suppose, <laughs> and then you can do whatever you want with your time. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, it, can, it sounds like a pretty hectic schedule, but it's good to see that folks like yourself uh, continue to uh, come in and be energetic with the, the work that they're doing, uh, the school work that they're doing but also taking time for yourself or yourselves to for a little bit of you know happiness self-care fun times friend times it's really important oh definitely yes so do you have advice for your fellow students on time management and self-care through the year let alone uh right now because on at queen's campus uh everybody's finishing up papers and writing exams. What does that look like? And what what can you tell others? Well, I think one of the things, I've never been one of those people, you see the people who they get up at six o'clock in the morning and they head straight down to Stauffer and they find a seat there and they work there into the late hours of the night getting stuff done. Um, now, I at one point might've been like that, but um, I've really found my boyfriend right now, he's very inspirational where he sees that 
Um, he thinks even though school is really important, like your happiness should always come first. So if, mm-hmm. the way he sees it, if he has an assignment that's going to make him depressed and it's going to ruin his life, um, if he has to lose out on his social life, his work life, and he's going to be miserable, there's no point in doing that. And like you need accommodations. And I think that's one of the great things Queens does. It gives accommodations. Mm-hmm. But I think my advice to anybody would be if you're finding that you're miserable, like don't be spending 16 hours a day in Stoffer. If you're a morning person, um, get up early, get some work done, um, go out to lunch with a friend, mm-hmm. um, watch a movie, do something that you can use to to de-stress, to just make yourself happy and give you that motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at night, if you before you go to bed, maybe do a couple of hours of studying as well. Don't let studying take over your life because you don't want to graduate and look back on your time and go, oh my God, like those those last few weeks of exams, I was always tired. I was sick because I was sleep deprived. Um, I don't think it's worth it. I think you really want to make sure that you get your work done, but you also, uh, it doesn't come at the risk of your happiness. So mm-hmm. make sure you have something to help you stay happy. Mm-hmm. Well, as an instructor myself, I often tell my own students, start the studying process, like when it comes to cramming for exams. Mm-hmm. Don't put yourself in a position where you have to cram. Start the studying process uh, at the beginning of the term. Oh, exactly. So that way you've built your, uh, you've built your ideas. For example, for a lecture, you're collecting any of the information that you think you might need for, you know, uh, examination questions and making notes for uh, bullet points. Uh, and then what I used to do, actually, I used to handwrite my notes in class, which I think is better for learning, although not yeah. everybody is uh, able to handwrite uh, notes for whatever reasons. I wrote, hand wrote my notes and then would go home and uh, log them in full in my computer at home. And then I would transform those full notes and make bullet points from those and use the full notes and the bullet points to study from. And I would layer it up. So if for a lecture class, for example, the notes that I'd had uh, before I went to a lecture class, I would review my bullet points and full notes from the week before mm-hmm. and then do that for continuously while building up because I would spend an hour eventually reading my notes from cumulatively several classes before. But mm-hmm. then the, like the first set of notes, I didn't necessarily have to read the full notes. I could just refer to the bullet points and then eventually I wouldn't even need the bullet points. I just knew what was in there because you, yeah. you build it up over time mm-hmm. and then you can just go through that review process at the end and most of the information from like that you learned in January or September is now in the in in your head without yeah. having to try to memorize it at the last minute while trying to pack in everything else for other classes too. I, I don't know. I just feel like that was a better learning process for me. I was able to retain and better understand concepts and ideas too. Yeah, I, I think one of the best things I ever did is I had a midterm test um, this semester for my Roman history class. And one mm-hmm. of the things I did is I think a lot of people are guilty of this, especially when you're typing notes. You write down everything the professor says word for word, mm-hmm. and you write down exactly what's on the slide. So you end up with, uh, because this class is two classes a week, and I'd end up with eight pages of notes a week. And then you're halfway through the term, and you've got this test, and next thing you know, you have a million pages of notes. So what I ended up doing is I created a separate document, and I crossed out anything that was irrelevant. Um, and you really see how you turn, like, I think I had about 60 pages of notes, and how mm-hmm. you can turn that into to 20. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, when you're actually thinking about, okay, what's important you find out you remember a lot of that. So I did my test and I actually did like better than I thought I would do because I think just trying to process what's important and what's not really helped me 
do all that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great idea, a great process. Go through yeah. if you if you're the type of person who tries to get everything. Yes. Go through those notes afterwards and then glean the most critical ideas without necessarily trying to remember verbatim every single thing but it's also a great process too because as you practice that you're starting to practice the idea of being able to jot down in lecture what is the most important exactly so then you can just get those ideas without having to spend all your time just typing verbatim Definitely. Uh, or or that mistake that people make copying down the slides. Oh, I know. I know. I still do that. I'm guilty of it. And Everybody I, I, does I, it. I kill myself every time I do. I look at my notes and I go, what was I, what was I writing here? Because um, <laughs> Professor Walker, um, he, um, he, had, he told us one day, he says he notices a lot of the time he'll be talking and people are looking up at the slides and writing down because he puts um, not like just point form, but he puts a lot of like, he puts kind of detailed, not super detailed on the slides and then he expands on it. Mm-hmm. So he said so what he notices is, is that people are so busy writing down what's on the slide that they're not listening to what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So of course you go to study for exams and you've got all the stuff that was on the slides, but you don't have any of the important information he was telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot of um, finding that balance as well mm-hmm. but i find especially as a history major um especially when you're in seminars like since you don't have exams you don't really need to study it's the papers that kill you and you end up finding that you have a 15 page paper due and you leave it to the week before and you go oh no when am i going to have the time i have work i have exams studying um and they tell you, you know don't don't leave it to the last minute start and nobody does like very few people like actually get ahead of it but i i think it honestly like when you're so sleep deprived and you go why why didn't i do that and i remember rob beamish mm-hmm. my sociology professor from first year i remember he gave us a big lecture about how you no know, you should always start early and there's programs to help you figure out like when you should time your things and how much you should get done or even make a plan say this week i'm going to get my first draft done mm-hmm. and i know i've done that before for some class and it really helps because you then you can focus on getting your other papers that you've procrastinated done <laughs> <laughs> well you've never procrastinated once i don't think oh never never i remember when i had to write the paper for the class i took with you um that paper was one of the very few papers that i actually enjoyed writing because it was something I was actually like super interested in and I had so much agency about what I was going to write about. And even though I kind of left that to the last minute as well. Well, it, you didn't. You didn't because you also came to visit my office. I did, yes. You were one of the few students who was regularly at my office hours to talk about the work, even if you hadn't done all of the writing yet. Yes, that's true. You had a process and you were on the project. Yeah, I definitely left the writing a bit to the last minute, but I find with that, because I was interested in it, it wasn't as much hard work. It's more when you're writing a paper that you don't particularly want to write mm. and... Um, that you find, oh, why am I doing this? And of course, you have your big TV there, and there's Netflix on there, and you think, like, come on, which which one am I going to do? But then eventually gets down to the last minute, and you realize you don't have time for that. Um, <laughs> honestly, just the best advice I could give is wh- when you get the assignment, if you can start the assignment, start it, even if you get the introduction done. Mm-hmm. An introduction you don't have to do much research for. Right. Just, just do a, take a 10 minutes, write your introduction, and then... Maybe the next week, go to the library, get some books, get some sources. Don't have to write anything, just get your sources down, just so that when the time comes, you're ready to start writing. Amazing advice. All right, so uh, we've got a few minutes left. What's coming up ahead for you this summer and uh, next year? Uh, well, this summer, um, I'm going to be working with the annual giving department as well. Woohoo! Um, yeah, me and another um, a caller who's working, she'll be working um, with me. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. The department's got some great projects lined up for us, I'm sure. Um, so we're all looking forward to that. Um, summer's a really great time for whoever's working to really ch- test some pilot things for the rest of the year and get 
um, the call room prepped for the next year. So I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully next year I can uh, continue my work as a supervisor. Um, I'll have all the experience of this year so I can come back and be the best supervisor I can be. Yes, you will. Mm. I imagine you will. Uh, so uh, lastly, if people want to give to Queen's University, by what means can they do so? Uh, well, there's a lot of different ways. You can um, wait for our call. Um, we don't call everybody. We call as many people as we can get to in a year. But of course, we have so many alum. But um, Or you can take the initiative. You can call 1-800-267-7837. Um, and you can talk to one of our customer service representatives. And you, there are so many funds you can give to, thousands upon thousands of funds. Um, so you can find a place where it really hits home to you, whether it's cancer research, your department, um, the Queen's Fund. Oh, anything. so if you you can actually earmark where you would like your money to go on a specific project or... Oh, yes. Oh. There are so many things. Like, yeah, as I said, I, we made that gift to the history department in honor of Professor Bailey. I made a gift um, to the classics department um, in mm -hmm. honor of my classics professor, mm -hmm. um, just as a little, like, sweet little gesture. Um, but yeah, there are, there's tens of thousands of funds for everything. There's class funds. Including CFRC. There is a CFRC <laughs> fund, yes. <laughs> I've had alum give to that fund as well. Um, so yeah, if you go to www.givetoqueens.ca slash QTS, um, you'll be taken to a website where there'll be a search bar and you can search a keyword for anything you want, whether it's history, um, sociology, CFRC, and you can browse through the funds. And it's just as simple as um, choosing the amount, um, putting your information and putting your credit card information in um, and doing that. And it's um, honestly, it makes such a big difference no matter how you give, how much you give. Um, it really does make all the difference to the world and the university and the students who are here appreciate it. And uh, we certainly appreciate the efforts that your office makes and the students uh, are making. Uh, and, uh, ooh, excuse me. And also, uh, I'm so happy to hear that there are opportunities for students. 45 you have, you're supervising? Um, I think currently we have um, about 35. Okay. Um, just because, you know, during the year you lose some um, exchange, that kind of thing. That's but, a lot of job opportunities, too. Oh, and yes. Great learning opportunities for students. While, uh, so they're able to earn a little extra dough, put a little bit of extra food in their fridge. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, a lot of people don't know about QTS. And you know what? Honestly, I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't heard about it. It's been one of the best things that's happened to me at Queen's. Um, and I really think that people who listen to this, they should definitely um, look out for applications in September. We'll be posting them all over the place, and it, it, I guarantee you won't regret applying if you do. Okay. Well, thank you very much to Mr. Gage Benyon, a undergraduate student here in history at Queen's University and also a supervisor uh, for the student team at Queen's Telefundraising Services. We really do appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. And, and good luck with your upcoming campaigns. Thank you so much.